Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Hello out there on this Thursday morning, all-time crime guy listeners. This is Melissa here, and I am solo again this week for the last week. My partner in crime, Shannon, who I don't know if some of you remember or not, it's been a while, but she is actually going to be back next week, so things will actually start to feel like normal. So, we wish her well. She has recovered from her. Um, she had a concussion. She had a lot going on, but she's coming back, and um, she'll help us tell some more crime stories next week. But for now, it's me, and I'm going to talk about Michelle McNeil. So, her story is complicated, but her family members helped serve justice, and I'll explain that in a minute, but... Her story, so in April of 2007, Michelle McNeil died of what was to believe to be natural causes, and it was actually closed in a couple of months. It was an open and shut case. Um, She died shortly after having plastic surgery to have a facelift um, by the recommendation of her husband, Dr. Martin McNeil, and it was just an accident, but, you know, it wasn't or we wouldn't be talking about it. Michelle actually met Martin at like a singles event through the Mormon church. They were married when she was 21, and they immediately started a family. She had four children within five years. So she was constantly pregnant for a long time. And then the couple adopted four more children for a total of eight. So she loved her kids. She lived for them, and she loved being a mom, a big family. I can see it. My mom's from a big family. You know, that makes get-togethers, reunions, and holidays just... A headache, but also a blessing and just really great. Um, I cherish family time. So, But most of the children, they knew something didn't seem right away, and they kind of suspected um, their dad was to blame for Michelle's death. And so they hounded any agency, any newspaper they could talk to. They just made enough noise that it caused authorities to take another look. And sometimes that's what it takes is there has to be a family member or a friend, or advocate that's just fighting and fighting and calling and asking questions until finally it it makes enough of a difference for them to actually um, get involved. But what they uncovered, you know, I don't think anyone was prepared. You know, Dr. Martin McNeil, he had a lot of secrets, and he tried hard to cover them up. And, I mean, everything from fake transcripts to fraudulently get into medical school, you know, fraud charges. He even did jail time for, you know, hiding felonies. It was, um, he was not Dr. Perfect and it was becoming very clear. So one of his daughters explained that her dad started to change when he turned 50. Now you hear like midlife crisis, you know, everybody buys the sports cars. It's just at you come to a point where you life's too short and you need to make some changes. But he started really caring about his appearance. He was obsessed with losing weight. He was working out all the time. He was just being really health conscious. And he started going to tanning beds, is at the gyms all the time. And this made Michelle suspicious. And she suspected that maybe he was having an affair. Which, when that happens in a relationship, sometimes that that is what happens. They're working really hard to you know, impress someone else. So when Michelle brings this up to him, 
he quickly makes it about her and he suggests that she should do something about her appearance as well. He suggested that she get a facelift to look more younger and appealing and he was more than happy to set it up for her almost immediately. Uh, like he found a surgeon, he set the appointment, uh, he even gave the doctor a list of medications to prescribe Michelle for post-op recovery. Now remember he is a doctor and so those drugs included like Valium, Ambien, uh, Phenergen, Percocet, Lortab, and the important thing to remember, all these drugs, they do the same thing. They're all central nervous system depressants, and they should not be taken at the same time. And if anyone has taken, like, I know my husband has taken Lortab before, your Percocets, they, they make you out of it. And I can only imagine what more than one type of that medicine would do to someone. So Michelle had her surgery on April 3rd, 2007. And when she came home the night after the surgery, um, one of the daughter's summers, we're using the last name, she said, you know, she looked really bad. She was in a lot of pain, and which is understandable. I mean, she had her face cut and moved and pulled and tugged and, you know, from this elective surgery that her husband thrust upon her. And um, her dad was like, you know what, leave her alone. I'll take care of her medicine tonight. But Summers, who she's also attending medical school, following in her father's footsteps, she came to check on her mother the next morning. And Michelle was really sedated, completely out of it, totally not normal um, for what she thought she should have been. And she confronted her dad about it, and, you know, that something wasn't seeming right. And then Martin admitted that maybe he had probably given her too much medicine because she threw up. So he gave her some more. And and that's a really hard thing to, to deal with because I've been like, you give your kid Tylenol because they're sick and they immediately throw up and you're like, oh my gosh, they threw up the medicine. Like this is not going to help them anymore and you want to give them more, but you have to be really careful because you're not sure what actually stuck in the system. But that was his story was that she threw up, so he gave her more medicine. Um, Summers, you know, she insisted that she's the one that's going to continue her mother's care and she's going to be in charge of her medicine because it just didn't sit right, and so that it wouldn't happen again. You know, Michelle was still wearing eye patches. She was trusting her family to take care of her. She couldn't see, and so Summers was like, I'm going to be the one to give mom the medicine tonight. And so Summers works with her mother, and Michelle, she had a strange request. She wanted to feel each pill and see if she could tell the difference between them and learn how they felt so that if he gave her something that she wasn't supposed to have, she could tell and she's crying and she told summer she said if something happens to me please make sure it wasn't your dad and that's just that's heartbreaking to hear that you you're if your mother if something happens to her she's telling you it's probably your dad um, but one week after her surgery you know martin leaves the house to pick up ada from school and he arrives back home, and he stays in the kitchen, and he tells Ada, like, go check on your mom. I'm like, hey, we just got home in the afternoon. Go check on her. Well, Ada finds her mom unresponsive laying in the bathtub. So she's screaming, mommy, mommy, you know, mommy. So Martin calls 911. But the interaction itself was a little strange. So the operator who actually handled his call, Heidi Johnson, she told ABC News that, like, he's yelling. You could barely understand him, and she's trying to calm him down. And she's trying to get more information, but he hangs up on her. He didn't want to stay on the line. And so Heidi calls back because if you call 911 and you hang up, they're going to call you back because they're going to make sure it's not an actual emergency. So the call is reconnected. 
and Martin's like yelling. He's like, I'm a physician. I've started CPR. Hangs up. Like, don't need you. Got it. But, you know, an ambulance was already dispatched. But then Summers gets an odd text message from her dad that same morning that's like, you need to contact your mother. So when she calls her mom, Martin is the one that answers. And he's like, well, your mom's in the tub. I've called an ambulance and hangs up. So she immediately knows something is not right. And her first thought was that he did something and she needs to get home. So she rushes home and her first like course of action is she wants to find the medication. She wants to see the pill bottle. She wants to count what's left. She knows what should be there. She knows what her mom should have taken, but her dad had already told someone else to flush them down the toilet. They were gone. So that immediately puts it in her mind that she had more medication than she was supposed to. Something wasn't right. And now she can't even prove it. So even with all this information at this point, the police don't even question the family. They don't even bring it up as a suspicion of the spouse, which is what we talk about all the time. It's like a given. It is a investigator one-on-one in my opinion. It's, it's, a rookie would know. You question the spouse. But it wasn't even questioned. They said, mm, it's an accident. She's a surgery, groggy, drowned in the tub. Natural causes. So the Emmy actually labeled it as natural causes due to cardiovascular disease because she had high blood pressure. I mean, she's, I have high blood pressure. I take medicine. But, um, Getting cardiovascular disease is a thing and it kills a lot of people, but this is some very weird circumstances. And it's just, anyway, strange to me. But about um, a month before Michelle's death, Summers actually went through her dad's phone at the request of Michelle because she had that hunch that he was getting into shape and trying to look real buff and things weren't, weren't exactly right. So she had a feeling that he had been, you know, having an affair, contacted somebody. So Summers went through her dad's phone and he had been calling um, a number frequently and texting this person by the name of Gypsy Jillian Willis. And so according to Willis, who told ABC News, she's like, they met online. She knew he was married. She knew he had a bunch of kids and she didn't even care. She wasn't looking for anything serious. So she just kind of hit it off with him and even though she had never met this perfect wife that he had told her about, um, she actually attended Michelle's funeral. And he had even forbade some of Michelle's family from coming to the funeral. And he rushed it to make sure that she was buried within like two or three days after her death. It was very important that he get it done quickly. And just very, very weird circumstances. So two of the older children, because remember there were eight, um, they stepped up and they were like, hey, you know what? We're going to help take care of the younger kids. You know, we will help you out. And Martin had another idea. He told Summers that he had already found the perfect nanny that could help out. And so she, a little bit suspicious, you know, asked her name. She's like, well, what's her name? And he very casually was like, um, yeah, I think it's like Jill, Jillian or something. And then Summers knew. She's like, is it Gypsy Jillian Willis? And, of course, he was probably super surprised. And she's like, yeah, I know you've been talking to her. And that's the woman that mom thought you were having an affair with. And don't bring her into the house with the younger kids. Like, she was trying to stand her ground. But, you know, the new nanny slash girlfriend moved in right away anyway into Michelle's house. 
So Summer, whenever she questioned her dad, he would threaten to get her kicked out of school and ruin her would-be career. Like, he'll take her out of medical school. Like, he'd ruin her. And eventually, Summers and her sister, they were kicked out of the house, like, without their keys, without their shoes, just put out because they were not so nice to Gypsy. Basically kicked them out of the house. So he chose the nanny slash girlfriend over his own children, which is just heartbreaking. But it gets even worse. So once the sisters got loud enough for someone to take another look, you know, then authorities finally start digging into Martin that they find all this information from his past that he probably did not want out. You know, they found out that he falsified transcripts. He faked his way into medical school. He was even discharged from the military after like a very short term because he claimed he was schizophrenic and he was hearing voices. Now this is a physician. This is a doctor who's supposed to be well-respected, and they look into his past and find out he was claiming to be schizophrenic and hearing voices. So he served less than two years in the military, but he was collecting $3,000 a month. I mean, he did that for decades from the Veterans Association. So when he was younger, he opened a checking account and began writing fraudulent checks. I mean, he furnished a house. He bought... There was actually an itemized list, like 60 pairs of socks and diamond rings and watches and even a year's worth of chocolate-covered cherries. Now, I would love a year's worth of chocolate-covered cherries. But, <laughs> so he was actually convicted, and he served 180 days in jail. And he was out on felony parole when he got admitted to medical school. That's just, that's just crazy. So they just dig and dig and dig and dig, and they're just finding all this information. But, it gets... It's even more twisted, so we'll get to that in just a second. Okay, so we're back. So while they're digging into Martin's past and finding out about all this information, the transcripts, the fraudulent checking account, you know, going to jail for 180 days, all this stuff. So they're digging into his past. He's trying to build a future with this gypsy lady. So, and I guess life is easier if you don't have to care for young children. You know, he had eight of them. So, he was in the process of trying to get a family to adopt his three youngest daughters. He arranged for the oldest of the three, 16-year-old Giselle McNeil, to go back home to the Ukraine for the summer. That's where they adopted the, their youngest children from, was from the Ukraine. So it was just supposed to be like a two-month trip back home, but he never made arrangements for her to come home. Kind of just like shipped her over there and just let her hang for a bit. And then to make matters worse, he had Gypsy steal his daughter's identity. Gypsy took over her social security number, ID cards, birth certificate. They even have the birth date changed by the court 20 years. And so Gypsy told ABC News that the idea for identity theft was all Martin. Like she knew it was wrong. And when she started seeing Martin, she had a lot of debt. Uh, it's like fifty, sixty thousand dollars worth of debt. And he explained that this was just a harmless way to take care of it. You know, no one was being hurt. I mean, she's 16 years old. She's all the way in the Ukraine. No one's, no one's going to know. And she trusted him. So she starts going by the name Jillian Giselle McNeil. And Martin even had the house transferred into her name. And then when Michelle's sister caught wind that Giselle was still in the Ukraine, 
she sent her own daughter, Jill, to go find her. She's like, here, go to the Ukraine and find your cousin. Jill found her, but she was living in the, like, poor, poor conditions with this family who, like, all shared one bed. And they had, like, this pan on the floor for a shower. And it was, it was just awful. And so they bring her home. So once the identity theft plot was determined by the authorities, Martin and Gypsy were arrested. And they pleaded guilty to fraud charges and they served time in separate prisons. Which they wrote love letters back and forth to each other. Oh, how sweet. Oh, yeah. So, but then they started to dig into Michelle's death. Well, if this guy's this shady and he's doing all of this stuff and he's willing to send his daughter away and steal her identity, you know, maybe he did kill his wife. So, the medical examiner digs and takes another look at the toxicology report. Well, as it turns out, she had a massive amount of a cocktail of toxic drugs in her system. So, the cause of death was officially changed from natural to undetermined. So, once he was released from jail, he spent about three years in jail, he was placed under arrest again after a few months later and held under a $1 million bond, and he was about to face murder charges for Michelle's death. So, in October of 2013, he went on trial. It lasted like 22 days. I think the jury deliberated for like 11 hours. So on November 9th in 2013, he was found guilty of murder and obstruction of justice. The judge sentenced him 15 years to life in prison. I would just say, why not just do life in prison? What what does the 15 matter? But anyway, on April 9th, 2017, after just serving two years in jail, Martin McNeil was found dead in the Utah State Prison. It was determined that he had committed suicide. Just awful. I just, so awful. But a little light at the end of this tunnel is that, you know, Summers did finish medical school. She did become a doctor and she changed her last name to her mother's maiden name, which is Summers. She did not want to be called Dr. McNeil. She did not want to be associated with anything McNeil. Um, so she actually adopted her three little sisters, Ada, Sabrina, and Elle. So all of them are back home. They're with her sister. She adopted them. She has three children of her own. So she also has a big family, just like her mom. And all the sisters are doing well. And every year on their mom's birthday, they all get together and have chocolate cake, which was Michelle's favorite. Um, a volunteer actually sanded off Martin McNeil's name off of their mother's tombstone so they wanted to just erase him out of their life altogether so they have bonded together and they are thriving they are doing well it's just now life is different without their mom and she should have never been taken away from them too soon she should have never had surgery that she didn't want to make herself look better for her husband um and he eventually admitted in jail that the she wasn't going to let him keep cheating on her. She was going to take him for, I mean, basically she was going to get a divorce. And in a divorce, you always have to half everything or divvy up or somebody's got to pay somebody. And he didn't want to lose any of the money and wealth and the house that he had built up his life. So he just wanted to kind of just change spouses and thought this was the easiest way. Never good for anyone involved, but. That was today's story. I know it was rather short, but next week we get our friend back. Shannon will be back with me and we'll have a 
story I already have in mind of what we're going to do. And we'll have some chit chat and it'd be more than just me talking to an you know, empty microphone in an empty room with nothing but my dog to keep me company. And she's snoring away. But I'm thankful that you guys listen every week or and tune into our older episodes. Um, we still have the Gabby Petito case is still ongoing. There was some news that uncovered yesterday. So hopefully soon we can wrap that up and do a second part and get justice for Gabby. And we're still covering new and developing stories. And I like digging into the older stories because they're more interesting. We had a poll and some people like the old stories. Some people like the new ones. So it's a little bit of a mix. Coming up on ideas and what to do for our hundredth or our year that we've been podcasting. But thank you so much for listening. And just remember, if you do the crime, we'll talk about it in time. Yeah, if you do the crime, it'll catch up with you in time and we'll talk about it. See, without Shannon here, I can't even remember how the end goes. Thank you all so much and we'll be back next week.